Thanks for joining us on the Father's House podcast, where we are leading people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. If you have any questions or want to learn more about us, you can always check us out online simply by going to thefathershouse.com. We'd love for you to stay connected throughout your week. Now, let's go to this week's message. Well, good morning. How are you today? You doing good? So glad that you're here today. I uh, hope this word really blesses you today. It's blessed me. So if it's, no, if it's not for anybody else, it's for me. Join me, though, in that. So before we get started, let's do our Bible confession. And I will say this. If you are doing your notes on your phone, and I see you doing this, I hope it's taking notes. Don't be using that as an excuse to go on Facebook or something. So that's notes, okay? All right, let's do our Bible confession. This is my Bible. It is the Word of God. It is life to me. Today I receive the Word. I confess. My mind is alert. My heart is receptive. I am obedient. I will never be the same again. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I hope you have your notes. Uh, I put a lot of scripture on there for you so that you can have this because I'm going to challenge us to to try to do this, uh, what I'm sharing with you this morning. But um, I don't know if you've heard of this term or not. Probably our millennials have. Have you heard of the term FOMO? FOMO. You know, right now there's a lot of different abbreviations for things, but FOMO means fear of missing out. Fear of missing out because so many people are on social media and share so many things. We see so many things. People are afraid they're going to miss out. I mean, honestly, have you seen where people are dying because they're getting on the edge of, you know, the Grand Canyon to take a selfie and they're falling on a mountain? Different crazy, crazy things. I mean, not smart not smart. They don't want to miss out on anything. And then somebody sees it and says, well, I'm going to top that because, you know, I can do something better. Uh, And the fear of missing out. But in a desire to keep up with everybody else, people have overbooked their calendars, overspent their money, overdrawn their credit, overloaded their emotions, overworked their bodies, overcrowded their days, and overhauled the approval of other people. Some people, Joyce Meyer wrote a book about it called Approval Addiction. Some people have it. They just need people's approval. And as a result, people may feel, you may feel overstressed, overanxious, overwhelmed. Especially moms. Some of you may feel overwhelmed and it's okay because you just keep doing what you got to do. There's a saying, the days are long, but the years are short. We're getting ready to have our second grandkid graduate from high school. How did that happen? They're all here this morning, and oh my gosh, they were just born. How did that happen? Because the the days are long, but the years are short. But today I want to look at the subject of moving from being overwhelmed to being overflowing. Anybody? Could you stand to be an overflowed life, overflowing life, instead of overwhelmed life? Now, I want to talk about two different approaches to life. Two different approaches to life. If you'll grab your notes, this is where you're going to fill in some blanks. The first is a shortage mindset. A shortage mindset that says, I never have enough and never will. I never have enough 
and I never will. And that's going to leave you feeling overwhelmed. You might find some words in the Bible that connect with that, like lacking and wanting and need. You feel like, I never have enough. I can't make it. I don't know how I'm going to do this. Everything's going to run out. I don't have enough. A shortage mindset. And the focus is on my limited resources. My limited resources. And I focus on what I'm lacking. You know, I'm trying to work on this, but my nature is a half empty glass kind of a person instead of a half full glass person. PT is a half full glass person. And God is showing me how to be thankful for the half. Right? So I'm trying to look at things differently and, and realize that I need to focus not on what I'm lacking. It's kind of like this. It's kind of like a person thinks of life as a pie. Whatever kind of pie you want, whatever you like, a pie. And the thought is, man, if somebody gets a big piece, I'm going to get a little piece because there's a limited amount of that pie to go around. So if you get a big piece, I'm thinking, man, I'm, I'm not going to get enough. I'm always going to be lacking. I'm not going to get enough. So the result is an overwhelmed life. Overwhelming, that feeling of when am I going to catch a break? When am I going to get something good happen? Always behind, and as my dad used to say, a day late and a dollar short. A day late and a dollar short. Always behind. It leads to envy. It leads to jealousy. It leads to resentment. It leads to worry. It leads to insecurity. Because you're constantly thinking, I don't have enough. I have limited resources. A shortage mindset always leaves me feeling overwhelmed. And nothing ever works out. But the second way that we can live our life is a surplus. Surplus mindset. God has more than I'll ever need. That's what goes in the blanks there. God has more than I'll ever need. And in the Bible, you'll find words like abundance and abounding and plentiful. So now that same pie that we, that we were talking about, that people say, well, I'm gonna, if he takes a big piece, I only get a little piece. When you have a surplus mindset, that pie, guess what? God is the pie maker. He goes, oh, you're running out. No problem. I'll just make another pie for you. There's no, it's, it's limitless. God, God's supply does never, never ends. So a surplus mindset says God has more than I'll ever need. When I have this mindset, the focus is on God's limitless goal, limitless youth. That's hard to say. <laughs> limitless youth. That's the name of our youth group. The focus is God's limitless resources. Think about that. Limitless. He's got more than enough. He said, I'll supply all your need according to my riches and glory. So don't worry about things running out. They're not going to run out. The result then of, of a surplus mindset is an overflowing life. An overflowing life. I don't have to worry. Things are not going to run out. Now, in Psalm 23, verse 5, you see in your notes there, a couple of different versions. The one, uh, first one says, you fill my cup to overflowing. This is David talking. You fill my cup to overflowing. You give me more than I can even hold. And the next one is, my cup overflows. 
David saying that? I mean, if you don't know the story of David, David's been through a lot, okay? Uh, read the story of David, what he's been through. And for him to say, my cup overflows. What's my cup? Next blank, my life. My cup is my life. David said, my cup runs over. So really he's saying, my life is overflowing. Jesus talked about this in John 7, 37. They were at a festival, and there was like 50,000 people at this festival. And what they were doing was they were believing and, and praying and believing for the prophecy to come true from Ezekiel about the river becoming a, you know, it, it, that would go into the Dead Sea, um, produce nothing, but that this river would come and be a healing flowing river. So they're at this festival, 50,000 people, and, God, and Jesus is like, mm, I need to tell them something. So he gets up like on a platform and he yells. On the last day of the festival, Jesus stood and shouted to the crowds and he said, If you are thirsty, come to me and drink. Everyone who really believes in me will have rivers of living water flowing out of their lives. So what he was saying was, you don't need that physical river. I'm the river of life. The Holy Spirit hadn't come upon anyone yet, and he's saying, listen, the river of life can flow out of you who, to those of you who really believe. If you really, 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 how, how, sometimes we just believe. Sometimes we really believe. But Jesus is saying, if you really, really, really believe what I'm telling you, your life is not going to be overwhelmed. Your life is going to be overflowing. Why? Because his supply never runs out. It's limitless. So here's a good definition for you to write in your notes. What is an overflowing life? It's to be filled beyond capacity with an endless supply of God's goodness. Filled beyond capacity with an endless supply of God's goodness. Anybody want that? Amen. If you're sitting here going, eh, I'll just stay the way I am. I don't want a never-ending supply of God's goodness. Woo, we'll pray for you. Because, I mean, who doesn't want that? As your pastors, we want that for you. We want you to be filled beyond capacity with the goodness of God, overflowing, endless supply of God's limitless goodness in your life. That's what an overflowing life is all about. We want that for you. And God wants that for you. Why walk around in the dumps all the time? Why walk around saying, I don't have enough. I don't know what I'm going to do. I can't do this. You need to move into, into the other way of thinking, into the surplus mindset. So when David's talking about this cup and the Bible's talking about the cup, it's all throughout scriptures. It talks about having a cup of joy and a cup of blessing. God wants to bless you. So let's put life in there. He, want, he wants you to have a, a life of hope and a life of peace, a life of salvation. He said, I want your life to overflow with joy and hope and peace and salvation and all the things. Why? Because God is a good God. God is a good God. We have to have that revelation. God is a good God. And he cares about us and he wants us to have an overflow flowing life. So here's another fill-in for you. Because God is good, because God is good, everything in my life is for my good. 
Everything in my life is for my good. Now, I didn't say that everything that happens, God made happen. He's sitting up there on his throne going, let me dial it up this way to give them trouble. No, he, he doesn't do that. But everything that happens in my life is for my good. If we'll let it be for our good, if we'll let God work in it and through it. He said, I'll turn all things for good to those who love me and are called according to my purpose. So we have to realize everything in my life is for my good. And if you doubt it, that's when you're going to get in trouble. That's when you have that other mindset that says, I don't know if I can make it through. Always lacking. Now listen, even the tough stuff in our life, even the tough stuff in our life is for my good. If I trust God, it's for my good. Listen to what he says. Listen to what the word says in Isaiah 48, 17. I am the holy God who rescues you. For your own good, I teach you and I lead you along the right path. How I wish that you had obeyed my commands. Then your success and good fortune would have overflowed like a flooding river. Wow. What is he saying? So the success to life isn't a seminar. It isn't a TV show. He said, if you would just do what I told you to do, you would have a successful overflowing life. I did this for your good, but the people didn't listen to him. And what happened? They got into trouble. You know, people think that this Bible is a restriction. Ever been on restriction? Anybody? Well, it's everything I'm not supposed to do. No. I mean, I thought that when I first got saved. I was like, now what am I going to do for fun? Really? But then I learned God is good. And everything he has is good. And he has a good plan for me. And I want to know his word so I know how to live. It's the blueprint for living my life. And that's what I want to know. That's what I want to know. So God's saying, listen, guys, I put it in here for you. I mean, at the time when he said it, it wasn't all written. You understand. There were some scrolls and things. But he said, listen, if you do what I told you, treat your body the way I told you to treat your body. He said, it's a temple. Treat sex the way I told you. He tells us it's for marriage in the confines of marriage between a man and a woman. He said, treat your money the way I told you. Give and it shall be given. Treat your money the way I told you. It's for your own good. It's for your own good. Remember, have your parents ever said to you, this is going to hurt me more than it's going to hurt you. It's for your good. And you're like, oh, whatever. Now that you're a parent or a grandparent, you know where that was coming from. There are things sometimes that are tough that God has to do in our life for our good. We just have to trust him. He said, if you don't listen to me, you're going to mess up. When we disobey, we're doubting the goodness of God. We're saying, well, I'll just do it my way. I think I can do it better than God. And then we're doubting his goodness. And you know how much that hurts God? He's like, wait a minute. I have good things for you. John 10 and 10, Jesus said this. He said, I've come that you might have real life and enjoy it in abundance to the fullest. Read it with me. Until it overflows. There it is again. Until it overflows. That means that we're not really living until we know him. We're just existing. God wants us to know him. 
and, and, and build on that relationship with him. So how can I have an experience in overflowing life? Now, if you'll flip your notes over, and I really mean flip. I don't mean turn. I mean flip. Okay, so listen. This week has been a crazy week, okay? The devil trying to just take me out and make me feel overwhelmed. I mean, I've been doing this for probably 10 years. I don't know. I know where they go. I do them four up. They flip them over. We cut them. I... So God bless Christine who comes in every week and stuffs 500 of these guides with the notes and your, what's going on in the church. So, like she got the whole stack done and at the very end, she noticed that it was upside down. So Jennifer came and told me, and I said, I didn't have the heart to say, I'll reprint and we'll pull them out. And what? No, devil, uh-uh, you ain't going to get your, any glory out of this. We'll just flip it. So now every time you flip it, you'll think about this and say, no, devil, you're not going to get any glory. Now listen to this. This is unbelievable. I mean, if I didn't see it, and I'm going to show it to you, I would never believe it. So between services, somebody was trying to buy a Bible. And... <laughs> And they open the Bible, and they bring it back there, and they make, they're like, open this. This has the same situation going on as you. I said, what are you talking about? I thought like a spider was going to jump out or something. Right side up, right? Right side up. Printing over here. Okay. Then I opened it, and I was like, oh, it's all blank. No. Can you see this? Get a good shot of that. Upside down. Now, the word is still good. I could, we could just flip it and make the back to front. And then all of a sudden, is it right? Oh, yeah, look, that's the beginning of the book. Hmm. Anyway, I just had to share that with you. So, so flip your notes over and kick the devil in the you-know-what. Now, I don't even know if I know where I am. Oh, here we go. So the four things, I'm going to challenge us to do these four things. I think if you will do these four things every day, I really feel like your life can change. Some of you already maybe do all four. God bless you. Help somebody else do these four. If not, pick up the one that you're not doing and let's do these every day. So number one, these are four daily habits. Number one, stay connected to Jesus every day. Stay connected to Jesus every day. That's so important. Jesus said, I am the vine, and you are the branches. If you stay joined to me, you will produce lots of fruit. But you can't do anything without me. That's John 15 and 5. If you try to go through life on your own power, you're going to be overwhelmed. But if you connect to the vine and you're plugged into Jesus, he said, you can do whatever you want to do. You're going to have power. I told you this before. Last year, I taught on abiding in the vine, connecting with God and, and, and uh, connecting with Jesus and bringing glory to God. It's so important, but it's so important to do every day. So look, if you have a toaster, <clears throat> if you have a toaster and you put the bread in, I don't care how many times you wiggle that handle and jiggle that thing and pop it up and pop it down and pop it up, it's not going to work unless you plug it in. If you have an iron and you go, I'm going to iron my shirt today. And you start ironing and you're like, hmm, nothing's happening because it's not plugged in. There's no power. Now, I'm going to give you an example that everybody knows about. You have a cell phone charger. And if you don't plug it into the wall, you're not going to hear, ding, ding, 
or whatever the sound is when it's charging. You have to plug it in to get the power. You cannot fulfill your purpose without being plugged into the power, just like the toaster and the iron and the charger cannot fulfill its purpose of what it was designed to do if it's not plugged into the power. Jesus said this in John 15, 7 through 11, if you stay connected to me and my words remain in you, you may ask any request you like and it will be granted. Now, think about that for a second. You may Ask for any request that you like, and it will be granted. My true disciples produce much fruit. This brings glory to my Father. So stay connected to my love. You stay connected to my love when, you're, when you obey me. We just talked about that. I've told you this so that you'll be filled with my joy. Let's read it. Yes, your cup of joy will overflow. Amen. Anybody? Who wants a cup of joy? Who wants it to overflow? What does overflow mean? It can't be contained. It just keeps on coming. It keeps on coming and keeps on coming. That's what we want. So how do we stay connected to Jesus on a daily basis? You've got to spend time with him. You've got to spend time with him. One way is through prayer. And don't let prayer scare you. I mean, if nothing else, Pastor Terry has taught us how to pray. And it's a very simple conversation with God. It doesn't have to be filled with these and thous and most holiest and all that stuff. Just talk to God. He loves you. He wants to hear from you. Prayer is so amazing. I mean, Jesus even went and prayed. So let's do what he did. And then meditation. No, no, I'm not talking about sitting on the floor with your legs crossed. and you, mm, oh. I'm not saying that. That's not the meditation I'm talking about. The meditation I'm talking about is rehearsing over and over and over. I know you know how to do it. Anybody know how to worry? If you've ever worried in your life, you're meditating, but you're meditating negatively. You keep on thinking about it, and you keep on rehearsing it, and you keep on saying, what if? And you keep on saying, I don't know how I'm going to do this. And you keep on saying, this isn't going to work out. God is saying, meditate on me and my word and the good things that I've got planned for you. Meditation constantly over and over and over again. Let's do that. Amen. If you know how to worry, you know how to meditate. So number one, you have to stay connected to Jesus every day. Now the second thing, and these get harder as we go. It's not me, it's God's word. Number two, stop griping and start being grateful. Stop griping and start being grateful. Complaining is a very, very, very unhealthy emotion. It's unhealthy. But gratitude in studies have shown that when you are grateful and thankful, the chemicals in your brain actually change. You produce serotonin, which is a feel-good, like, I want that drug. Okay, you can do it yourself. You can be thankful and grateful. And that's what we should be doing every day. You should try to wake up in the morning and, and write down about 10, 15 things that you're grateful for. And if you say, wow, that's a lot of things. I don't know if I can come up with that. Well, just thinking about what the things are to be grateful for changes the chemistry in your brain. Now, I'm going to throw this out to you. You've probably seen this uh, in a meme or something. But what if you woke up tomorrow only with the things that you were grateful for today? 
Come on now. And I don't mean like material things, although that would be something you should be grateful for because it all belongs to God anyway. But what if you woke up tomorrow and the only things that you had were what you were thankful for today? So I can, man, I could come up with 10, 15, 20. I could come up with a lot when I say, thank you, God, for the air that I breathe today. Thank you that I woke up today, Lord Jesus. Thank you for my house. Thank you for my car. Thank you for my motorcycle. Thank you for my husband, my grandkids. Thank you that they're going off to be uh, uh, salt and light for you, God. I mean, I could just keep on going and keep on going. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. And it's changing my attitude. And it's changing the way I'm looking at life. Philippians 2.14 says, in everything you do, some things? No. Everything you do, stay away from complaining and arguing. That is so hard. Let's take the, let's take the compl no complaining challenge. It's hard. Come on. Because before you know it, you're like, oops, I did it again. Sorry, I hope we don't have to pay what's-her-name any royalties. <laughs> Does complaining change anything? No, it just makes you feel bad. Well, I can't believe this, and I can't believe that. Can you believe they did this, and can you believe they did that? Guess what? They're still going to do that. Yeah. It didn't change anything, just made you feel bad. So how about starting your day with good news instead of bad news? Good news instead of bad news. First Thessalonians 5.18, no matter what happens, always be thankful, for this is God's will for you who belong to Jesus Christ. You know, a lot of times as pastors, people will come in and say, What's my purpose? I need to know what my purpose is. I need to know what God's will for my life is. I'm going to tell you. Set it right there. This is God's will for you. In everything, give thanks. Man, if, you could, if we could just do that, the windows of, of what God has for us are going to open. The, the opportunities are going to continue to open. So if I want an overflowing life, an overflowing life rather than an overwhelmed life. We said, number one, we're going to stay connected to Jesus every day. Make a habit of that. Spend time with him. Just a little bit of time. That's okay. Whatever you feel like you can, can, can do, but spend time with him. And then number two, I stop griping and I start being grateful. Now, number three, remember I said it's going to get a little harder. Number three, stop comparing and start being content. Wowzy. Okay, that's not easy. The Bible says anytime I can compare myself to somebody else, I'm being foolish. And it's a waste of time. It's a waste of energy. When you compare, you get envious. You get resentful. You get, you get <laughs> insecure. You start to try to copy somebody else instead of being who God's called you to be. Because why? You're looking at them going, I wish I was like that. I wish I had that family. I wish I had that husband. I wish I had... And then the lady's like, oh, no, you don't. Anyway, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I didn't say that first service. So uh, 2 Corinthians 10, 12 says, we do not make the mistake of comparing ourselves to others because when we care, compare ourselves to others, we're foolish. All right, so stop complaining. Start being more content and you're going to have an overflowing life. But today, it's so much easier to compare. You know, back in the day, we called it... See, I just turned 59, so I had a back in the day. Now I can say back in the day. Back in the day, it was this, trying to keep up with the Joneses. But you didn't know. Like, how do you know? Somebody, you saw it or whatever. Now, it's everywhere. It's everywhere. Two words. Social media. 
You don't even want to see it and you see it. Look what they did. Look, oh my, where did they, look what they went to eat. First of all, I don't really care what you went to eat. Really? Anyway, I'm sorry. Uh, so you're on social media and you're seeing all this stuff and now you start comparing yourself. Well, they did, did you see that vacation that they went on? I can't believe it. Where'd they get all the money? Hmm, wow. Ooh, we better, honey, we better figure out how we're going to go on a vacation. We got to top that. Comparing ourselves. Comparing, let me just say this. The selfies where, let me get the right angle with the chin thing and the sideways turn and, you know, and okay, then I'll do it and, or I set up my Bible with my notes and I'm doing, hey, where is it? Where did my notes, here, my notes and I, and I, and I set it up and I take a picture and I post it. Hey, I'm doing that four thing challenge that Pastor Anita gave me. It's not real. When you set it up like that, it's not, I'm just here to tell you that reality TV is not real. I'm just, so you know. Years ago, I went with a friend to American Idol tryouts, and I got to see firsthand how much of that was not real. They told him what to say, when to say it, how to say it, where to go. Now run down there really excited with your family and through that door, and we'll get that on the TV. I mean, it's not real. It's just not real. So do you want to be healthy? And do you want to live longer? Look at what Proverbs 14.30 says. It's healthy to be content, but envy will eat you up. Let's be grateful for what we have. Let's stop comparing ourselves to others and start being content. And the more you are out there and you look at what other people are doing, the more envious you get, the more jealous you get, the more resentful you get. It will eat you up. We all know somebody that's that way, and it's not pretty. It's really not pretty. It's better to be content with what you have than to always be struggling for more. That's like chasing the wind. Anybody try chasing the wind? I don't think you can catch the wind. Um, by nature, we are not naturally content. We're just not. By nature, we're naturally discontented. And all those negative things that stress you out, worry, jealousy, resentment, anger, fear, insecurity, feeling unloved, feeling unworthy, feeling, un feeling ashamed, feeling guilty, all those different things. Guess what? They're all learned. Or somebody said that and you said, well, you know, you took it in, in yourself. They're all learned behaviors. But guess what? You can unlearn them. You can, if, if you can learn it, you can unlearn it. And here's the thing, we can learn to be content. We can teach ourselves to be content. That's what Paul said. He said, in all things, I've had a lot and I've had a little, but I am content because he's saying, God, I trust you for where you have me right now. You might not like whatever phase of, of life it's in or whatever, but be content with it and God can move and work. So listen, the wealthiest person in the world is the one who, who is most contented with what they already have. Not the richest person in the world because of money. God said, I want you to stop griping. Start being grateful. I want you to stop comparing. And I want you to start be contented. And number four, I want you to stop being stingy and start being generous. Remember, stingy is, gosh, I don't know when this is running out. I'm not giving it away. If you want to move from being overwhelmed all the time to overflowing all the time. You have to go from being stingy to being generous. 
And I'm not just talking about money. I'm talking about your life. I'm talking about your words. I'm talking about uh, your time, your talents. There's a world out there could use some influence from you. Stinginess is evidence of a shortage mindset. I don't know when it's going to run out. Being generous is an evidence of a surplus mindset. Now, you know when you get a new bottle of lotion or, or toothpaste, especially that white toothpaste that, that everybody's using right now? In the beginning, you're like, you're like, yes, I got me some new lotion, right? And then as it starts dwindling down, you're like, oops, I better be a little more conservative. I'm only going to use a little bit because it's running out. But God said, no, when I supply the stuff, it never runs out. It never runs out. You can be generous with the mindset of God is going to supply continually. You're not going to run out. He wants you to be like him. He's a giver. He gave us Jesus. He said, come on now, you need to be a giver. It's so much better to give. Not like the little kid who said, daddy, I want some peanut M&M's. That's my favorite. Can you buy me a peanut M&M? Dad said, sure. And he goes and buys the peanut M&M's. And of course, he probably does one of those big size ones, right? And he buys it and he gives the, the, the pack to the kid. The kid's like, oh, cool. And he starts looking at all the colors and sorting them out and stuff. And he's looking at them. And all of a sudden, Dad says, hey, I like peanut M&M's. Can I have a few? And the kid's like, uh, no, these are mine. And what does Dad say? Uh, excuse me. I paid for these. These are mine. And I let you have them. And I just want a few back. Isn't that the same way what God does with us? He gives us every good and perfect gift comes from God above. And sometimes he wants us to give away. And you know, I'm learning this too because I tend to keep things. I know there's a word for that. Uh, hoarding. Um, I only do it with, I only hoard in my closet. Anyway, um, so, you know, God doesn't want us to be that way. He wants us to give things away because when you give things away, see, what normally happens to me, I'm like, I keep it, keep it, keep it, and finally I'm like, you need to get rid of that thing, God says to me, and I get rid of it, and sure enough, like a week later, I need it. And I'm like, God, really? I had it for seven years, and now I, uh, yeah, but guess what? He'll bring me something better. He'll give me something better. The more you give away, the more you're going to get. He wants us to be like him. Listen to this, 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 8. We're almost done. Remember this, a stingy planter will only reap a small crop. Don't be a stingy planter. Don't be stingy. But anyone who sows generously will also reap generously. So each of you should give serious consideration to what you want to give not reluctantly or under pressure, for God loves a cheerful giver. All, and, and you can be sure that God is able to bless you. Now circle all these alls. He's able to bless you with all his grace, so that in all things, at all times, you mean sometimes? No, all times, you will always have all you need. And you will also overflow so you can give to every good work. Man, that should be somebody's life verse. You should put that on your refrigerator. That's a good verse to keep in your heart. Don't ever give emotionally, he said, because if you give out of emotion or feeling like you're being pressured, your heart is not right. 
the, the, God loves a cheerful giver. That's your heart. He wants your heart to be like, I can't wait to give because I'm a giver. I'm not stingy. I'm a generous. God is a giver. I want to be like him. So, so God loves a cheerful giver. We did our, our last uh, small group, our last life group. We did Rick Warren's transformed. And he talked about a lot of different things. We kind of did it while we pastor was teaching in the same uh, subject matter. And when we got to the finances, he shared, he said, um, I want to share with you that my wife Kay and I now tithe 91% of our income and only live on 9%. Now it wasn't always that way. He said, when we first got married, we knew to tithe, so we tithe. That's 10% of our increase. And they were in school, and they did all kinds of things. And they said, but you know, we just really felt impressed to go increase it 1% every year. He said, nobody told us. It wasn't in the Bible. We just felt like God said, every year increase your giving. So they did. So there were some years where they had some financial, you know, hardships, and then other years they got more. But over 35, 40 years, however long it's been, they're up to 91% giving and only living on 9%. And uh, he said, now, wait a minute, don't you? I know you're thinking like, whoa, Saddleback must give them a really big salary. They've never taken a salary from the church ever. So where did the income come from? Well, you may have heard of a little book that Rick Warren wrote. You know, a couple people read it. It's called The Purpose Driven Life. The number one bestseller for I don't know how many weeks. It's in the Guinness Book of World Records. And basically, he said, you know why God gave me that? Because he, could see, he saw that we, he could trust us with all along with our giving. Every year, increase, increase, increase. So now they're handling those, uh, you know, large amounts that are coming in. Wouldn't that be awesome to just in, keep increasing our giving, trusting God, knowing he's going to come through? Have you ever read the Bible challenge? There's a, there's a challenge, a God's challenge in the Bible, and it's Malachi 3.10. Now, we've used this before talking about giving, and I just want to read it again. Bring your full tithe to my storehouse so that there will be food in my house. Test me now in this says the Lord, and see if I won't open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing, read it with me, until it overflows. That's what God's word said. He said, bring it, and I'm going to open up the windows of heaven. And not just in your finances, it's in your whole life. It's in protection in your, in your uh, physical body. It's in a lot of different things. Put me first in your relationships, he's saying. See if I won't bless that. Put me first in your money. See if I won't bless that. Jesus said this in Luke 6, 38. If you give, you will receive back. Your gift will be returned to you in full measure. Pack down shaken to make room for more, and running over. Whatever measure you use in giving, large or small, it will be used to measure whatever is given back to you. Now, I've, I've used this before, and I just think it's a great visual. You know, God is saying, okay, I want you to be a giver. But remember, whatever size uh, container that you bring, um, that's what I'm going to use. So you're calling how big the container is to come back to yourself. Uh, and really, it's the condition of your heart. And are, are you giving cheerfully? So, he, so if we bring a thimble full, little thimble full, God's going to say, awesome, you're a bringer. I love that. You're, you're, you're giving. That's amazing. Thank you. And then he takes that thimble, and he 
puts a blessing in there and he squishes it down and he packs in as much as he can into that and he pushes it down, but it's the thimble size. You understand that we choose the, the measure, the, the container that God's going to use. So if I get me a big old basket full and I bring that to God, he's like, that's good. That's awesome. I'm going to use this to bring the blessings to you. And he packs that full to overflowing. Does that make sense? So think about just here. You're not going to do anything that I say because I'm saying it. It's the Holy Spirit that needs to speak to you about, about being a generous giver. Tithe is one thing. That's our, that's our bringing to God what, what, what we should bring him. Then, then over that, if we're going to increase our giving or we're going to bring an offering, whatever it is, that's God speaking to us. But he said, listen, in all of this, don't do it out of compulsion or feeling guilty. Do it because you have a guilty, I mean, a, 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 a bit. Do it because you, because you don't have a guilty heart, because you have a cheerful heart, right? Amen. So listen. The running over is the same running over that David talked about. My cup runs over. My life runs over. So we want to stay connected to Jesus every day. We want to stop griping and start being grateful. We want to stop comparing and start being content. And we want to stop being stingy and start being generous. Amen. Can you do that? Can you take this? Can you take this flip piece of paper and remind yourself, let's take that challenge to do these four things every day. And I guarantee you, your life is going to change. And then I want to hear about it. So I want you to email the church, tfh at thefathershouse.com. Let us know what God is doing in your life. I'm telling you, these four daily habits will change your life. Now, would you bow your heads this morning as I pray and end, and, and let's see what God wants to do. Maybe you're tired of being overwhelmed. Maybe you have a shortage mindset and you think, well, I don't have enough. I don't have enough money or time or energy, whatever. Let me ask you, what are you lacking? Whatever you're lacking, what do you need more of? More knowledge, more energy, more money, more opportunity? I want to commit, I want to challenge you to commit to those four things. Maybe you're saying right now, dear God, I want to connect with you every day. I want to be like the, the vine and the branch. I want to bear fruit. I want to stay connected. Help me to spend time with you every day, God. I want to connect. I want to make that a habit. Maybe you're saying, I'm going to stop complaining and start being more grateful. I'm going to come up with those things every day that I could be grateful about, Lord. I want to get up and st start being grateful and not grumpy. Grateful and not griping. Grateful and not complaining. Maybe you say, God, I want to develop this habit of not comparing myself to anybody. To, to stop comparing and start being content and start being who you called me to be. Stop living my life for the approval of others. And God, I'm going to stop being stingy and start being generous every day. Help me, Lord. Be generous with my words, generous with my time, generous with my talent, generous with my treasure, generous in every area of my life. Maybe you're saying, I need help. I need to start tithing. I don't do that. I need to start tithing. Lord, just help me to trust you and your goodness in this. Maybe you've never given your life to Christ. Maybe you've never submitted your life to Christ. We want you to know that he loves you and he cares about you and he has a good plan and a good purpose. You can submit your life to him because without him, all this other stuff is not going to work. So if that's you today and you want to say, you know what? I want to commit my life to Christ. I want to surrender my life 
to him so he can be the boss in my life. He can be the leader in my life. I can follow him. If that's you this morning, you've never done that before, or maybe you are recommitting your life, would you just raise up your hand so I can see your hand? I want to commit my life to Christ today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you over here, over there. Thank you. This is the greatest day of your life. It's the first day of the rest of your life, knowing that Jesus is the Lord of your life. So if, if you all that you uh, just raise your hand, if you would pray this prayer after me. As a matter of fact, everybody just pray this with them. You've prayed something like this in your life if you're a believer. Thank you, God, for saving me and letting me know how good you are and you have a plan for me. I believe that you died on the cross, you were buried, and you rose on the third day to give me eternal life. I thank you for forgiving me of any wrongdoing, and I thank you that I have new life in you. Help me to make a good start every day by doing these things presented. In Jesus' name, amen. As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in all that God is doing in and through your life, and we would love to continue with you on that journey. To find out what your next steps will be in your relationship with Christ, all you have to do is go to thefathershouse.com slash next. Join us next week as we continue to love God, help people, and build the kingdom.